0: converge Hallelujah. come on I see those smiles out there yes, how y'all doing today Woo. I know you came to worship Jesus yes. and I'm super excited about the first song we're gonna sing because even though you might not see God working yes. he's still working it out behind the scenes yes. and that's what we're standing on today oh, man yes, yes. yeah I'll put those hands together right there. Hey. Yeah. It was meant to kill me. Sin to destroy me. And I thought that it would. And I thought that it should. I messed up so many times. I went left when you should right. I'll understand if you wanna let me go. But you held on. He wouldn't let me go and you wouldn't let me go but he did but you held on to me and you wouldn't let me go no he wouldn't let me go watch this what the enemy meant for evil god has been Me since you destroyed me, and I thought that it was, and I thought that. My good. Lord, Come on, do you believe that today? You're worthy, Lord. I said, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it for my good. Yes, Come on, sing that one more time. We love you, Lord. Say, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked it for my good. Come on, that's personal. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. What the enemy. For evil. God has worked it out for my good. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up our praise. Father God, we love you. We thank you that your presence was already here. Before we even set foot on this place, Your presence was made known. Oh, when I don't know what to say, I'll just lift my hands and praise you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness. My life laid down, I'm surrendered now. Can we sing that bridge one more time? You know, sometimes it just takes a little bit more to press in. And just as I read those those lyrics, your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. Your goodness keeps running after no matter if I turn left or if I turn right, God is still right there. And the beauty about that is even if I go left, he leaves the 99 to go find the one. And that's the creator of the universe. That's our God. And so I don't know what your weeks look like, what your month has looked like, but I do know what God has promised. That he would never leave you nor forsake you, but he would go with you all the way to the end. And that's what the Bible says. Not what I say, but what the word says. Oh, eh. Come on, can you lift your hands with me and say this, your goodness. Your goodness is running after, It's running after me. That's personal. Your goodness is running after, It's running after with my life laid down i'm surrendered now i give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me it's running it's running after me his goodness and mercy will follow you days of your life I said all the days of your life Your goodness keeps running after it's running after to me Father God we are so grateful and we're so thankful that even when we don't have the words to say, Holy Spirit is right there, the comforter, interceding. Father, we're so thankful, grateful that your goodness and mercy is shown upon us. Father God, we thank you for your presence, because without your presence, there would be no life. You're the sustainer of life. You breathe the breath into our lungs, and there we. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for moments like this. Where you continue to move. People said,
1: amen. 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 amen.
2: Thank you so much for that, yeah, Chad. Thank you, worship team. I um, had a real life example of someone talking about just today how God's goodness ran after him. I was in the grocery store Kroger shopping, minding my business and this guy runs around the corner and stands like real close to me, but he was kind of hiding from his son because his son had gotten away and he was trying to show him, don't ever disappear because you never know where daddy is and he's apologizing and I'm like, no, I've got five kids, I understand. And so he was just like, you know, I'm 57 and God in his infinite wisdom decided to give me a five-year-old. But then he went on, for 10 minutes to share with me, had me crying. That's why I brought tissue. How God had transformed his life. He said he's from New Jersey. He had been in the club and was doing the Jersey Shore thing before Jersey Shore, the reality TV came along. He's like, I should sue them for copyright because that was me. But he just testified. He's like, you know, I had always heard about God going after the 99 or leaving the 99 to go after the one. And he's like, and, you know, in my own worldly understanding, I thought, you know, he was, he's Italian. He's like, I thought he was like, just looking at me, like, look at you, the one. He said, but he, you know, I, I got to church, I married a woman, I, I started going to church and I realized that when he left the 99, he went and rescued the one, put him on his shoulders and took him to safety, and he's like, and that was me, and that touched my heart. So again, I was in the Kroger crying, and I'm like, Lord, you know, we're just talking about how awesome God is, and how faithful he is, and how wise and just good he is, and it just blessed me so, and I was like, God, I don't know what you want me to do with this, but thank you just for a moment where two Christ followers could share, and other people were walking their little carts around us, and we're just standing there crying, and his son's walking around, but God, in His goodness runs after us. He is so faithful. We don't think we deserve it. We don't deserve it. But it's His infinite goodness, grace, and love. Thank you, Converge Worship, always Thank you. undone. Thank you. Thank you, God. So that's yes. not what we were here for, for, but I'm gonna pass it on to you, Thank Cassie. Thank you for
1: that, for sure. <laughs> well, welcome, uh, welcome everyone here, um, live in person. We are so happy you're here, also to Converge Nation. If you're viewing online, we love you. Uh, we are so happy that you have joined us, whether in person or online. Um, there's a lot of options of, of going somewhere or what you can view or not view. So I love that story about God chasing that man down, but just being here, if you're viewing online, um, that's it. He's yeah. running after you. There's something he wants to tell you. Yes. And that pull to watch, that yes. pull to drive here, yes. that pull to sit in the chair that you're in right now, That that is that running. Yes. So. We are so excited to be here. We are so excited that you are here. If it's your first time with us, welcome. We are very happy to have you. Um, There is a connection center outside. We would love for you uh, to stop by, uh, fill out some information. We have a small gift for you as well. That's our way of saying thank you for joining us. Uh, We certainly hope you enjoy um, the worship experience. Um, Also, if you are not, we are on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Make sure to follow us at We Are Converge on those. And if you have not downloaded TikTok yet, you're missing out. Um, But if you already have it, we are also on TikTok now. We are Converge Church on TikTok. So a little different handle. Uh, Make sure to go follow us, engage. You can um, stay posted on what's going on here at Converge Church. Uh, We love to to get your responses and posts as well. Um, Last but not least from me is merch. We have some cool new merch, Um, our Blackout series. You'll see Pastor Ray in a sweatshirt tonight, Mm -hmm. but you can go to store.weareconverge.com. Put in, um, there's some limited sizing there where you can also put in a pre-order for your new Blackout Converge merch. Yes, yes,
2: thank you, Cassie. Thank you, thank you. We're excited. We are excited about everything that God is doing here at Converge, and we are thrilled to share with everyone. Some of you may have heard, others may not, that Converge Church is returning to Sunday morning in-person worship. Yes, yes, starting next Sunday april 17th easter sunday we will be worshiping in live live in person here at 1611 wilmeth boulevard so if you guys want to come join us come on out here to mckinney and join us in person we are excited we have so many great things planned for the entire family so we want you guys to make plans to attend now For those of you who are in person, we actually have some invite cards. What better way to celebrate the resurrection, the triumphant resurrection of our Savior than to share that with others and invite them to come worship with us. So we do have some invite cards. Our theme is Death Defeated. Do I need to say anything else? Death defeated. We've got all the details on the back. So those of you here in person, please grab a handful at the end of the worship experience and share them. Those of you, who are online. We also have a link to our Easter promo video. So if you want a non-invasive, non-intrusive way to invite people, email us at eChurch at weareconverged.com. We'll get you the link to that video. It's also got all the details, but we want all of you here in person and online, bring a friend, bring a few, bring 10, invite people to come so that they can hear about our risen savior and what he's done in our lives and what he can do for you guys, amen? Amen. Amen. Converge Nation, we have not forgotten about you guys. We are diligently working behind the scenes to ensure that life-giving ministry continues to happen for you each Sunday at 10 a.m. So please stay tuned. We will have those details soon. Okay? Alrighty.
1: Also, if you're going to bring your children, yes. please go on and RSVP uh, for the, the live service for Easter. Make sure that we know that they're coming so we can plan accordingly. Yes. Um, go online, RSVP, we have the link um, that we'll share with you uh, to make sure we know about your kiddos so we can make sure they have a great experience too.
2: Yes, that is for pre-K through fifth grade. We hope to be able to provide ministry for infants through pre-K soon. We'll keep you posted on those details as well. Yes. Thank you. So. Converge family, you've heard me say it. One of the values that we prioritize here at Converge is generosity, where we live with an open hand, not a clenched fist. And that is seen in scripture in Acts 2 and 44, where it talks about the early believers had all things in common. That is basically another way of saying they shared everything they had. This is our part of the service where we can model and live out generosity in our giving by partnering to help move forward the vision and the mission that God has given us here at Converge. So if you'd like to join us in bringing our tithes and our offerings, if you'd like to join us in giving, you are welcome to do so, and we have multiple ways that you can do that. First, here in person, we have ushers in the aisles with envelopes, And ink pens, if you need one, raise your hand. And then just fill out that envelope in its entirety with all of the details on the front. I've filled mine out. And what that does is that helps us to properly record an account for your giving. The ushers are going to pass the receptacles, and you can just drop it in the bucket, or if you forget, you can do it at the end of the worship experience. We also have the ability for you to give safely and securely online. You can visit us at weareconverged.com forward slash give and give that way. You can give via our mobile app. All you have to do is search the iOS and the Android app stores to find and download Converge Church Plano. And you can also give via text by texting ConvergeGive Give along with a dollar amount to 779. Converge family, we appreciate your obedience to the Word of God in your giving. We appreciate your financial support and your generosity. Let's have a brief word of prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are true to your Word. You said in your Word in Malachi 3 and 10 that we could prove you if we bring our tithes and our offerings to your house, you would open up a blessing and we would not have, open up the window and give us a blessing that we would not have room to receive. We thank you, God, that you are the God who looks ahead, sees and makes provision. You are our source and we thank you for the resources that you've given us. So we choose in this moment, God, to entrust back to you a tiny fraction of what you've blessed us with. We thank you, God, that we are able to do this. We are excited and cheerful and happy about doing it, Father God. And we pray for those who desire but are unable. The Bible has many examples, like the woman who gave two mites. And God said that she gave everything she had. So we know that there are sometimes people who desire to give but cannot. We pray that you would continue to bless them, Father God. WE THANK YOU FOR EVERY SEED SOWN. WE THANK YOU THAT WE ARE UNDER LEADERSHIP THAT STEWARDS WELL ALL THAT YOU HAVE ENTRUSTED US WITH HERE AT CONVERGE CHURCH. WE LOVE YOU. WE APPRECIATE YOU. WE GIVE YOU GLORY, GOD, AND WE JUST CAN'T THANK YOU ENOUGH FOR HOW GOOD AND GRACIOUS AND FAITHFUL YOU ARE. IT'S IN JESUS' NAME WE PRAY. AMEN. 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 THANK YOU GUYS SO MUCH. CONTINUE TO ENJOY THE WORSHIP EXPERIENCE.
1: YES, THANK YOU. THANK YOU.
0: Shh. With selfless faith, with selfless faith. your voice. Osana, highest. That's it right there. Oh and
3: Hallelujah. One of the reasons that song still resonates today is because 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. It's approximately a week before his passion and his ultimate crucifixion and resurrection. And so today, we're not alone. We're celebrating with churches Let's keep Hosanna. Let's keep Hosanna. We're celebrating this weekend with churches around the world. What is traditionally known as Palm Sunday. And I don't know about you, but that song just tugged at my heart. Because 2,000 years ago, the multitudes cried out to Jesus and they didn't just cry out to him. They laid their clothes down so that he would have, if you will, a red carpet. But they were looking for a Savior who would redeem them from Roman oppression. Jesus came to redeem them from spiritual death. And so tonight, as we look back to what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, we're reminded of why Jesus came. He came so that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. And as we gather tonight, we declare in earnest, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so tonight, Lord, we bless your name. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And Father, I pray that tonight you would open our eyes to see you as you are. That we might see you for who you really are. Not the box we try to put you in, but for the God that you came to declare and introduce to us. And so tonight as we declare Hosanna in the highest, Lord, we ask that you would remove the scales from our eyes. That we would see you as Jesus, as Yeshua, as Messiah, the lover of our souls. And just as the song declared, Lord, we pray that tonight you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart. That you would take our hearts, Lord, and cleanse them and make them clean. And that you would open our eyes to things unseen. That's our prayer tonight. That's our prayer tonight. That's our prayer tonight, that with our hearts we welcome you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Listen, we're going to dive into the Word. We're going to continue where we left off last week. We launched a mini-series last week that we called person of interest and last week we discovered that you and I are persons of interest to the enemy Uh, tonight we're going to talk about what it looks like and why the enemy Satan the adversary ought to be a person of interest to us Uh, before we do that I just want to again reiterate that uh, this is bittersweet tonight because this is our last gathering on Saturday nights uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, we started this journey about six months ago, meeting on Saturday nights. The Lord has opened a tremendous door that will allow us to meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So we invite you to join us. Listen, I know that some of us have gotten into a routine and a rhythm where we've grown accustomed to watching online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Listen, we invite you to join us uh, and be a part of what God is doing right here uh, in person at Converge church as you know next sunday is resurrection sunday uh our theme for next week is death defeated and we are super excited about all that god will speak to our hearts in worship and in the ministry of his word but also in fellowship and community together amen so we look forward to seeing you we look forward to seeing your family we look forward to seeing your friends and as we mentioned i think uh, uh andrea mentioned during the announcements make sure You grab one of these invite cards. Uh, This could be a lifeline for someone over the next few days. I shared this testimony with our leadership team on our recent leadership call uh, because several years ago uh, when Levi was still in pre-K, I had a conversation with a gentleman who had a daughter in pre-K and she was Levi's uh, classmate. I happened to have one of our invite cards uh, and I, I, I shared the invite card with him and I invited him to church. Well, I didn't see him uh, for two years. And One Sunday morning, two years after I had given him the invite card, I saw him and his family in worship with us. That started a three-year journey and he became one of our teaching ministers here at Converge Church. You guys know them as Damon and Camille Denson who have since relocated to Atlanta. But Damon and Camille became a part of our family, our church family, and ministered so powerfully to our church simply because an invite that they didn't respond to for two years. I say all of that to say, listen, there's someone that you might meet, like Andrea met today at Kroger, uh, who might just need a new beginning and a fresh touch from the Lord. And you could be the vessel, the conduit, the channel that God uses Uh, to reintroduce that person to Jesus or to introduce them to Jesus for the first time. So on your way out, the ushers will have these cards. We're asking each person or each family to take at least 10 cards. Uh, I was at the barber today. I left a whole bunch of these cards. I invited my barbers. In fact, I was over at uh, Custom Tees, and that's the company that does all of our t-shirts and all of our merch. In fact, we have a few of these. I know several people have asked about these. So we have a few of them uh, at the Connection Center, shameless plug. Uh, so on your way out, make sure you grab them. I heard, I heard on the news last night that there's a cold front coming through. So this will be a good time to get you a black on black, a black out, Converge Sweatshirt or Converge Hoodie, all right? So we have those items at the Convention Center. At the, <laughs> at the Guest Services Center, Connection Center. Uh, y'all will figure it out. You'll see Wilhelmina out there and Wilhelmina will help you with your order. They're also available online as well. Anybody else ready for the word tonight? All right, we're gonna dive in together. Uh, This is week two of our current sermon series that we have titled Person of Interest. And just to level set expectations, I want to land on a working definition for what a person of interest is. We, we, we talked about this at length last week uh, when we set up the series, but I, I think it bears repeating. And uh, by way of definition, a person of interest is a term, uh, or the, the term person of interest is used by law enforcement in the U.S. and in Canada and other countries when identifying someone who is possibly involved in a criminal investigation who has not been arrested or formally accused of a crime. Now, the the phrase or the term person of interest has no legal meaning. However, it refers to someone in whom the police are interested, either because the person is cooperating with the investigation or that they may have information that would assist the investigation. Or here it is. Ah, man, this is the part I love or they may possess certain characteristics that merit further attention. How many of you realize that you bear within you, you carry certain characteristics that merit further attention? And that makes you a person of interest to God, but also a person of interest to the enemy. Uh, We're going to talk about this in depth because we're going to change gears a little bit and transition into what it looks like. For the enemy, the adversary, to be a person of interest to the believer. And we're going to talk about why that is important. Now, when we say that the enemy, the adversary, the devil ought to be a person of interest to you, it doesn't mean that you obsess about the enemy. It simply speaks to the idea that as Christ followers, we ought to live with a heightened awareness of the reality of spiritual warfare. I come from Africa, uh, so we live with a heightened awareness of the reality of spiritual forces, of supernatural adversaries, that for most Americans, it just seems like a joke. It seems like, okay, this is something that you see in the movies. But coming from Africa, And having seen what I have seen, and having experienced what I have experienced, and having corroborated what I have seen with the Word of God, it would do you well to live with a heightened awareness of the reality of spiritual warfare. It's the reason why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's written in the Word of God. And whereas many of us think our problems originate in flesh and blood, Paul is saying it goes much deeper in its origin. Yes. That the source of some of the, 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 the confrontations and the resistance that we sometimes experience is not human in its origin, it is supernatural. And it started long before you and I ever breathed our first breath. You read Isaiah chapter 15, there are five I wills, where Lucifer, who was the worship leader in heaven, spoke these five I wills because he wanted to be like God. And the scripture says that there was a war in heaven and two-thirds of the heavenly host were kicked out of heaven. Hmm? I don't want to get into demonology and all of that, but it is a biblical and a theological reality that you and I wrestle with forces that are not human. We see the evidence of that in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings and the book of origins. In fact, God warns Adam in Genesis chapter two, when the scripture says that God put Adam in the garden of Eden to do two things, to tend it and to keep it. The word tend in the Hebrew means to nurture and cultivate. So Adam was supposed to steward the garden well. He was supposed to manage the garden well. But the second word keep is a word that means guard. It means protect. Why would God tell Adam to protect the garden if there was nothing to protect the garden against? Long before Satan shows up as a serpent in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, God has already warned Adam to not only nurture and cultivate the garden, but to protect it. You understand what I'm saying? So in Genesis chapter 3, the enemy shows up and he has this extended conversation with Eve. In fact, what God was saying in Genesis chapter 2 is that there is an adversary out there that ought to be a person of interest to you. And guess what Adam did in Genesis chapter 3? There was a precedent-setting event that still plagues men today. And it's called the silence of Adam. That when Adam should have been guarding and protecting what God had entrusted to him, he said absolutely nothing. And when God confronted him, what Adam had the audacity to say to God was, the woman you gave me. He abdicated his responsibility to be a protector of what God had given him. Because God had already warned him of an adversary that was imminent. He told him, guard it and keep it. It's in scripture. What does that mean for us? It means that to the believer, the enemy, the adversary, Satan ought to be a person of interest to us. Because number one, Satan hates God. Number two, because Satan hates what God loves. That's you and me. Let that sink in for a second. He despises you because he hates and despises God and he hates and despises everything that God loves. Here's the third reason. Here's the third reason that Satan should be a a person of interest to us. Y'all ready for this? What you don't know about your adversary, what you don't know about your enemy is hurting you. Whoever said, what you don't know, don't hurt you, had absolutely no clue what they were talking about. That's why Hosea said in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, he said, my people perish. My people, God's people, not unbelievers, the children of God perish, what? For a lack of knowledge a lack of awareness about the fact that you have an adversary who is intent on keeping you from fulfilling God's plan and God's assignment for your life. Just in case you didn't know, when the scripture says that, the, that, the, that Satan comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, His only agenda is to be a disruptor of what God has designed. No other plan, no other purpose. And what God's people don't know and don't recognize about their enemy is, in fact, hurting them. You know, there's this thing in psychology called JND. And what JND stands for is just noticeable difference. It was a German physician who also had a keen interest in psychology who began to do research, and what he was trying to find out is how much does something need to change in order for it to become noticeable? I'll say that again how much stimulus or stimuli needs to be introduced to something in order for it to become noticeable. So what he did was he drew two lines, equal length, about a hundred millimeters. And everybody who looked at it said, oh, they're the same length. And then he brought a few more people in, a few more subjects in as he began to do the research. And he made one line 100 millimeters, and then the next line he made 105 millimeters, and nobody could tell the difference. He brought another groove in. He kept one line at 100 millimeters, I want to say liters, millimeters, and then made the second line 110. And still nobody could tell. The just noticeable difference didn't kick in. Until 120 millimeters. You say, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? I'm saying that it is possible that there are things that are affecting the trajectory of your life right now. That are at work in your life right now. That are disrupting your life right now that you haven't even noticed. And sometimes... By the time you get to 120 millimeters, the damage has already been done. Sometimes you become the frog in the kettle. Because when you put the frog in the kettle, the way you kill the frog is you gradually turn up the heat. And the frog doesn't even know that it's dying in boiling water. Because the difference because it's so slow isn't even noticeable yet it's staying in water that is destroying it and God says my people perish for a lack of knowledge and they can't even discern what the enemy is doing until it's too late. Notice what Paul wrote in the text in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. I'll read this from three translations. He says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. You know what he's saying? He's saying your life is a game and a series of advantages and the enemy will use your ignorance about him against you to gain the upper hand. You can dismiss him if you want. You can look at me and say, well, this is African man talking about a bunch of mumbo jumbo and fairy tales. You can if you want. But Paul writes, lest Satan should have an advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. He's saying that we ought to live with a heightened awareness of the inner workings and the subtle disruptions of the enemy. Notice what it says in the message paraphrase. It says, after all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. Because we're not oblivious to what? To his sly ways. This is the Bible. Notice the voice translation. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth and this is his second letter to the church at Corinth. A church that was incredibly spiritual. They came behind in no spiritual gifts. God was moving supernaturally in their church but they were also extremely carnal. And I say part of the problem is your spiritual people is you're ignorant of the devil's devices. In fact, when you read this verse in context, you go back to verse 10. You know what Paul is talking about? He's talking about unforgiveness. You know what that means? He was saying, unforgiveness is a weapon of the enemy that he uses effectively in the lives of believers. Let me speak to the camera. For the ones who think that by harboring unforgiveness against somebody, that you're doing something to hurt them, you have played into the enemy's hand. Paul says, when we harbor unforgiveness, we live in ignorance of the devil's devices. It's one of his weapons. It's one of his tactics. Notice notice what the voice translation says. Paul says, it's my duty to make sure that Satan does not win even a small victory over us. For we don't want to be naive and then fall prey to his schemes. Paul was saying, we need to address our naivety when it comes to spiritual things, not just our response to God but our awareness of the fact that there is a culprit, an adversary, the enemy of our souls who should become a person of interest because he has certain characteristics about him that merit further investigation. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? So t- t- tonight's, tonight's message is titled, y'all ready for this? Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. So if you grew up in the, in the 80s, come on somebody, and you're a hip hop fan, <laughs> you probably fell in love with Public Enemy. Come on, Chuck D, Flavor Flav. It takes a nation of millions. Y'all laughing like y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all heathen out there? Come on, somebody. Are y'all saved? Come on, somebody. Somebody said we weren't always saved. Yeah. Y'all remember those B.C. days. Come on, somebody, before Christ. Amen. Don't believe the hype. Which, like most of their music... Was an indictment in what was happening on what was happening politically in the United States and the world at the time. In fact, the word hype is a shortened and abbreviated version of the word hyperbole, which means exaggeration. And what Chuck D. and Public Enemy were saying is don't believe the exaggerations. You can't trust what people say because if you live for the applause of men you will die by their criticism and the reason I'm preaching this message today is because when the multitudes cried Hosanna and they were singing his praise Jesus didn't buy into their hype because he knew That the same people who were crying Hosanna on Sunday would be shouting crucify him on Friday. The Lord sent me here today as we commemorate Palm Sunday to advise you, to warn you, to counsel you, not to believe the hype. The Lord sent me here tonight to warn and to admonish The approval addicts in the building. Those who are motivated and driven and who find their identity and who allow themselves to be defined by what people have to say about them. Because Jesus' life went through three critical stages. First one. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By Thursday they were saying, by whose authority does he say these things? And by Friday, by Friday, the same people that he had helped, the same people that he had healed, the same people that he had served, the same people that he had loved were shouting, crucify him. We don't know this man. And among them were people in his own inner circle. It wasn't just the multitudes. Because by the time Jesus got to the cross, y'all, there was only one left standing. Only John the Beloved made it to the cross with Jesus and his mama. And as Jesus hung from the cross, he looked at John and he said, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. All these people who had followed Jesus, who sang his praises, abandoned him in his most vulnerable hour. The Lord sent me here to tell somebody or a whole bunch of us, don't believe the hype. Because people are fickle. People you think are disciples could just be groupies. Groupies stay as long as their status. Ain't a whole bunch of people following these rock artists from the 80s, rap artists from the 80s and 90s. They just move on to the next big thing. And most of us don't realize that one of the weapons of the enemy against us is our addiction to the approval of men. Jesus teaches us how to overcome our approval addiction. That you and I can be unchanged, whether we're criticized or we're praised. Because our affirmation comes from one source, and his name is Jesus. Let me get to my message. Uh (laughs) So, notice Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse number 1. We'll read verses 1 through 11. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately, immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say to them, The Lord has need of you. Let that be a word to you tonight. That maybe tonight God is saying to some of us, Loose him. Bring him. The Lord has need of you. And sometimes God has to loose us of our addiction, our fixation on what people have to say in order for us to be useful to him. The Bible declares in the book of Proverbs, the fear of man is a snare. Say that with me. Loose him. Bring him, the Lord has need of him. Yeah. 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 The Lord wants to set some of us free tonight. Yeah. From the approval of men. Notice verse 4 it said, All this happened, all of this happened that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6, So the disciples went, And they did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on them and set him on them. I know this tradition of being true because in Liberia, when you have somebody uh, of notoriety, someone you want to honor, the women take their wrap from around their waist. They wear about two or three layers of wraps and they take the wraps off and they lay them down on the ground for the guest of honor to walk in on. That's what the Jews were doing They took their garments, they took their clothes and they not only laid them on the donkey and the colt, but they also laid them on the ground because they were saying that Jesus was worthy of their honor. Notice verse eight, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Hence, Palm Sunday. They took palm branches along with their clothes and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Come on, somebody. The city was stirred. It was shaken to feverish pitch. And they said, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Can I just say this? And what we're witnessing here in the text is one of the things that plagues so many of us. And that is unrealistic expectations. Because these people were looking for a Messiah who would deliver them, as I said earlier, from Roman oppression. There was never a time in Jesus' life when he hinted to or alluded. To the fact that that's why he came. Those were expectations they put on him. There was never a time Jesus said, this is why I came. Are you all with me? And so they are celebrating something they created in their own minds. And by the time they get to Friday... And it's crystal clear that Jesus ain't going to redeem them from the Romans because now he's been flogged. And now he has been apprehended and he refused to fight back. Guess what they say? He's an imposter. He ain't the Messiah. He lied to us. So let's kill him. Was there ever a time Jesus said, this is why I came? Let me talk to you about expectations. Uh, Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. (laughs) Uh, How do I say this? I don't want to say, because if I say this, I'm going to take a rabbit trail. Y'all don't want me to take a rabbit trail tonight. But I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Listen to me. You know, the, 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 the exasperation we experience in life is often a result of the difference between what we expected and what we experienced. Yes. Yes, yes. We expect this. We experience this. And the gap in between is the level of our exasperation. So how do we fix that? Expectations can be unmet, and usually expectations are unmet because they're unrealistic. Are y'all with me? Sometimes the expectations we put on other people go unmet because they are unrealistic to begin with. The second reason that expectations can go unmet is because they are unclear. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about unclear expectation. And let me just talk about the fact that sometimes it's not because somebody didn't tell you what to expect. Sometimes it's because you weren't willing to hear it. Read the text. Over and over and over and over and over, Jesus was trying to tell them is that my kingdom is not of this earth. Because they weren't willing to hear it, they tried to put Jesus into their own box. And when he refused to conform to what they wanted, they killed him. Am I making this up? Let me tell you the crazy stuff that expectations will make you do. I want to talk about his disciples one by one, but let me just talk about Peter for a second. When your expectation's twisted, it'll make you willing to kill for somebody for something you want, but you will be unwilling to die for what they are. Y'all miss what I just said. The same Peter that was willing to die for a Jesus who would kill the Romans. Hmm? Wasn't he willing to kill for him? Then he cut off Malchus's ear. Is the same Peter who is now unwilling to die for Jesus? There are people in your life who will be willing to kill for their agenda, but they will be unwilling to die for what God has called you to do. Y'all not listening to what I'm saying? The scripture says, Do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Because one of the things that trips us up is our addiction to the approval of men. Jesus was unmoved by Thomas's doubt, by Judas's betrayal, and Peter's denial. Unmoved. Unmoved. You know why? because he had the right expectations of people. Y'all want proof? Y'all want proof? (laughs) Y'all want to make sure I ain't making this up? Here it is. It would do you well to live your life according to John chapter 2 and verse 20. Let me just read it to y'all real quick. I'm getting ahead in my notes. Uh, uh, John chapter 2, I'm sorry, verses 23 through 25. John chapter 2, 23 Through 25. Notice what the scripture says. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Notice verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man. You know what he was saying? All these people singing my praises. All these people believe in me. But you know what? I already know these folk, man. All this applause and all these people that following me, I already know how this thing ends. And their applause in this season will not define me in my next season. Because if it did, Jesus would have been looking for the crowds at the cross. And he would have gone to the cross bitter. Because the people who were there at the beginning of his ministry abandoned him at the end. Can I say this to you? Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Somebody said boundaries. You know what Jesus was doing with people? He was creating boundaries. And it will do you well if you have been an approval addict to start to create boundaries. Because the boundaries you set will determine the distance at which you can love yourself and them simultaneously. No, y'all didn't hear me. The boundaries you choose to set in your life will determine the distance at which you are able to love them and yourself simultaneously. There are some people that if you let too close, you will end up loving yourself out of self-preservation and despising them. Because not everybody deserves that level of access to you. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? So when you set a boundary, it determines the distance at which I can interact with Pastor Jesse so that I can continue to love Pastor Jesse and love myself simultaneously. Because there's some people, if you let them too close, you might end up loving them and hating yourself. Jesus did that. Not everybody had the same level of access to him. There was the multitudes. There was the 120. There was the 70. There were the 12. And then of the 12, there were the three. Peter, James, and John. And of the three, there was the one, John the Beloved, who was depicted in the Last Supper as the disciple whose head is on Jesus' breast. Are y'all with me? In fact, for some of you, as you redefine your relationships, you probably just have to embrace this. Mm -hmm. Y'all with me? Offense forgiven, access denied. You hear what I'm saying I forgive the offense but the access you once enjoyed with me you no longer have because I'm creating this boundary that will allow me to love you and still love myself simultaneously but if I let you cross this boundary I'm gonna end up loving somebody less and it ain't gonna be me. Mm? Because whatever you give access to your heart, you authorize to exist. Wow. You're quiet on me, but I think you're thinking, you're processing. Okay, so here it is. Let me, let me go fast and furious because I gotta get through this. Uh, If I want to get over my approval addiction, I already said it. Number one, boundaries matter. And I read John chapter 2, verses 23 and 25, through 25. Number two, the way I get over my approval addiction is I recognize that I can't please everybody. So I just might as well choose to live for an audience of one. Let that sink in for a second. No matter how hard you try no matter how good you try to be, you ain't gonna please everybody. In fact, pleasing one person might displease somebody else. So instead of trying to please all these people who are impossible to please, why don't you just please God? Why don't we just live for the approval of one? Why don't we just live for an audience of one? Notice what, the, what Isaiah said in Isaiah 51 and verse 12 from the New Living Translation. I, yes I, am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? God said, I, I comfort you. So why are you tripping? With people who are here today and gone the next, who wither like the grass, and disappear. Here's why God says that. I'm going to give you six categories, fast and furious. You all ready? Six reasons, or six, or is it seven? A, B, C, D, E, F. Is that six? That's six. A through F. You all ready? Here's why you should overcome your approval addiction. Because the people that you are trying to please... Some of them are going to be demanding. They're the kind of people that are life's little dictators. They are domineering, they are overbearing, and they place unrealistic expectations on your time and your schedule. Have you ever dealt with one of them before? Yet many of us go through life and we make decisions to appease And to please people who are demanding. At number two, number two, people will be disapproving. These are the nitpickers. These are the people who are highly critical. Uh, Your best is never good enough. They are perfectionists and they love to point out your mistakes. Dale Carnegie was asked once in the 1920s, the the Gilded Age, how he was able to employ so many millionaires. And he said, they were not millionaires when they came to work for me. He said, but developing people is like mining for gold. You have to move tons of dirt to get to one ounce of gold. But nobody goes in looking for dirt. They go in looking for the gold. Are you with me? How many people, though, are willing to deal with tons of your dirt just to mine one ounce of gold? Most people say it ain't worth it. Because most people are not just demanding, they are disapproving. And they love to point out your mistakes. And they stop dealing with you once it requires moving a lot of dirt. Well... I know there's gold in there somewhere. I ain't willing to deal with all this dirt. Yet we steady trying to please them, right? Because we're addicted to approval. Hmm? You ready for the next one? Some people are deafening, deafening. They have the megaphone. They're loud. They're self-absorbed. Oh, I love this one. They will talk you into surrender. They're argumentative and they're unwilling to yield yet we try to please them we try to win them over there are people that you will encounter some of the people we've tried to please that are like volcanoes they have uncontrolled anger and they can erupt At any time because they are unpredictable there are people who are discontented that we try to please these people are crybabies they get their feelings hurt very easily they're easily offended they have thin skin and they have a martyr complex there are some people that you'll meet they just love being the victim because being the victim means I get all the attention. Are y'all with me? <laughs> I wanted to say something, but I go say it. Listen, some of you might be living right now with somebody who has a martyr complex. Are y'all with me? It's a big deal, man. Eesh, I want to say something, but I'm not to leave it alone. I, it would be helpful, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, there's some people who are demeaning. There are people that we try to please that are demeaning. Notice. Hey, smart mouth. Rude, insulting. They use caustic language. They are bubble bursters. You know I mean? Everybody do just try to just... Just dream killers, man. Dream deflators. They love to tell you how you don't measure up. They're petty. They're mean. Rude people, here it is, are rude. Because they're simply masking severe insecurities. You've heard me say it here before. That pride is just insecurity playing dress up. Anybody remember Lord Farquhar from Shrek? Mm? Hmm? Y'all remember when Lord Farquhar rode in on that horse, all gallant and stuff? And then one of his knights had to take him off the horse because his legs were actually in extensions? That his pride was just his insecurity playing dress-up. Yet we live to please people who are demeaning. When the truth is, you can't please all seven of these people when God says, I am love. It seems like the choice is obvious that we will choose God, right? God says, I love you. You're already accepted. You're already approved. Not because of what you've done, but because of who I am and because of what Jesus did. I choose you. I've called you. So why won't we play to an audience of one when we're steady running here and there to try to... Please, these seven different personalities. All right, so this is where I close. The band can come. It's important to understand. This is your RX. This is your prescription. This is the antidote for your approval addiction. Number one, I don't need anyone's approval to be happy because happiness is my choice. I don't need anybody's approval because happiness is my choice. Notice John chapter five, verses 41 and 42 from the New Living Translation. It says your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. Come on, that's straight talk. No chasing. Mm -hmm. Number two. The reason I don't need anybody's approval Is because who I am becoming matters more than what others think of me. I'm under construction. I'm a work in progress. I'm not who I used to be. So who I am becoming matters more than what you might think of me because God loved me long before you had an opinion of me. I'm getting happy to myself, y'all. Number three. Y'all ready for this? Not even God expects you to please everybody. That's a self-imposed expectation. God doesn't expect you to please everybody. Notice Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read this from the NCV. But notice what it says. Do you think I'm trying to make people accept me? No. God is the one I'm trying to please. Am I trying to please people? No. If I still wanted to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't please people and serve Jesus at the same time. Come Are y'all with me? All of this came from Palm Sunday. Because that's how Jesus lived. Because most people would have been comfortable with the praises of the people on Palm Sunday, not knowing that Good Friday was coming. And those same people that sang his praises would turn on him. Here's the final, last two. Hey! Y'all ready for this one? This is huge. This one might get right there. You know that high heel when it hit that, that bunion? Come on. That's what you're going to feel. You know that pinky toe when it get caught on the, on, the, on, the, 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 on the bed late at night? That's what this one going to feel like. Oh, y'all can, y'all can play. Y'all can play. Actually, yes. Y'all ready for this one? If everybody likes me. It's probably because I haven't taken a stand for anything that really matters. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That hurt, right? Yeah. hmm If I don't have anybody, come on. Mm, come on. Come on. Come on. if I don't have a few people over here that may not care for me a whole lot, uh-huh. if I don't have a few people that, uh, mm-hmm, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. It's because You haven't really taken a stand for anything that matters. Notice what Luke chapter 6 and verse 26, it says, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. You know why people spoke well of false prophets? Because false prophets said what the people wanted to hear. But God said it's a problem when people only have good things to say about you. That's weird to hear, right? But even Jesus, who was perfect, was despised by many because he stood for things that really mattered. And the problem is you trying to keep the peace and you laying down when God is saying you're supposed to be standing up for that. Okay, here it is. Number five. One day. This is why I should live for an audience of one. One day, I will give an account to God for my life. When it's all said and done, I ain't gonna be answering to nobody but God. And when I stand before God, it better not be, well, I did this to please, you. well, I did this be- I did, th- no, it's because I did this for an audience of one. So Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 says it this way, yes, Each of us will give a personal account to God. So, what seems so important to you now is only temporary. So live for what's eternal. The people you're trying to please, the approval you're seeking, all of that's temporary. Only what we do for God will Last, So you say, Pastor Ray, why I thought we're talking about Satan as a person of interest. Absolutely. We're talking about Satan as a person of interest because one of his weapons against us is getting us to believe that in order to win in life, we need the approval of men. When all we need, even if everybody turns against us, all we need to win in life is to live for the approval of one. And his name is Jesus. Father, we ask you now to seal this word in our hearts. Father, multitudes cried, Hosanna. But there was something much deeper in their hearts when they sang the praises of your son, Jesus. It was their own agenda, what they thought and who they thought he would be. And Lord, sometimes when people recognize who we really are they're disappointed they're frustrated they might even walk away and abandon us when our agenda when their agenda doesn't fit our assignment so father i ask you now if that has been an area in our lives where the enemy has won battle after battle i pray god that today you will do something in our hearts where we no longer live for the approval of men, that, God, we would rest in the fact that we are already approved by God and that we would no longer be ignorant of the devil's devices against us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Did that help anybody tonight? (laughs) Glory, glory to God. Listen, why don't you stand with us? We're so glad you joined us for Converge Live, being in person. As we mentioned, next Sunday, uh, Resurrection Sunday, we're gonna be in person right here at 10 a.m. for Resurrection Sunday, Death Defeated. We're gonna pick up Person of Interest the following week, I believe it's the 24th. We're gonna close out the series and we're gonna talk about why Jesus should be a Person of Interest to us. Coquetzal, why don't you come? as we prepare to be dismissed. Make sure on your way out, make sure on your way out, if you had an offering and the ushers didn't come around, just drop it in the offering receptacle. And also on your way out, they will have some invite cards, grab a stack of them so that this week, over the next several days, you can invite someone to be a part of Easter at Converge on Sunday, April 17th.
0: Amen, amen, amen all right did you enjoy that that was amazing wasn't it (laughs) amen amen all right um let's just look forward to this holy week with great reverence and hope and just excitement for what the lord has done amen all right with hands lifted up to heaven may the lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord lift his countenance towards you and give you peace in jesus name amen
2: by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we've got some information that we'd love to send you to help kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, please email us at echurch at if you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely by visiting www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. Or you can give via text by texting converge give along with a dollar amount that you'd like to donate to 77977. Also, you can find all this information on our mobile app. Simply search the app or the Play Store for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship
1: experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.